Are you a grandparent who doesn't agree with how your grandkids are being raised? Are you longing to be a positive influence in the lives of your grandchildren, but you aren't wanting to overstep boundaries? Or are you a parent who is frustrated with grandparents who undermine your authority, but you aren't sure what to do about it? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps us to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com slash support to donate any amount. Ginger and I would love to give a big thank you to Jen R. in Illinois and also to an anonymous donor in New York. Thank you both for your support, which enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. We are so very grateful. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at BJUPressHomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, Ginger, based on some of the questions we've received, we know we have quite a number of grandparents who listen to our podcast, and we've had questions come in from both parents and grandparents whose relationships have become strained because of differences of opinion when it comes to child rearing. That's right. And as most of our listeners know, Katie and I have been really blessed with parents who always encouraged and support the way we parent. So we didn't feel that we would really have a lot to offer as far as relating to the issue of grandparents overstepping boundaries. So that's why we decided to invite a guest who we knew could speak into this issue with advice that's both practical and biblical. That's right, Ginger. Thank you for making that point because I don't want to get any angry phone calls for this from my family. <laughs> yeah, this is a little bit of a touchy subject. So if any of our <laughs> listeners uh, take issue with anything, anything said on today's show, uh, just let us know and we'll give you Josh's number. How about that? That's right. Throwing him <laughs> under the bus. Exactly. And speaking of Josh, before we introduce you to him, I just want to clarify that today's episode is not really about grandparents who are in the are the primary caregivers. It's geared more toward families where the parents are the primary caregivers, but the grandparents are involved in the lives of the grandchildren. And, you know, maybe there's some conflict surrounding that involvement. That's right. So with all that being said, let us introduce you to our guest today. Dr. Josh Mulvihill is the Executive Director of Church and Family Ministry at Renew a Nation. He serves as pastor 
sorry, he served as pastor for 20 years. He has a PhD in family ministry, don't we all, you know. Um, he serves on the board of Awana and he is the author and, or editor of 10 books, including this one's phenomenal listeners, Biblical Grandparenting. And his latest book is called 50 Things Every Child Needs to Know Before Leaving Home. That one's in my Amazon cart. So he and his wife, Jen, have five children and Josh blogs at thegospelshapedfamily.com. Josh, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Hi, ladies. It's just a joy to be here, and uh, thank you guys so much for your fantastic ministry. And, you know, there's just a shortage of really solid biblical guidance for parents, so I'm really grateful you guys are providing that. Oh, well, thank you for that. Josh, I believe your message is one that really needs to be addressed. I've heard horror stories about grandparents being estranged from their children and grandchildren because of overstepping boundaries. And from what Mm -hmm. I can tell, and based on some of the questions we've received, it seems that the top three trigger points are differences of opinion when it comes to discipline, eating habits, and entertainment. So today, we would love for you to help parents and grandparents look at ways that they can communicate with one another so that these issues don't wind up causing problems and division in the family. Or if they've already caused problems and division, we know that you're going to be able to offer some practical tips and advice for hopefully bringing some resolution and unity to these families. So be encouraged, listeners. If you're already in the throes of conflict, it is never too late. Our God is in the business of restoration. All right, so let's break down these three trigger points. How about we start with discipline? Josh, our listeners love scenarios. So can you give us a scenario where grandparents enforce consequences that they believe were appropriate and were maybe in the best interest of the grandchildren, but uh, it caused problems because the parents didn't see it that way? Mm, Yeah, so here's an example um, that some um, families shared with me. They uh, husband and wife were celebrating an anniversary and traveled to Hawaii to get away for a week. And uh, parents, grandparents graciously said, we'll come over and watch your children, our grandchildren for the week. And, you know, they were thinking, oh, it's just going to be this wonderful time together. Uh, and then reality hit. And, uh, you know, there's some challenges with their grandchildren while parents are away. And then what do you do? So in this specific instance, uh, one of the teenaged children snuck out during the night. I gasp. <laughs> I never did that. No. Teenage son snuck out during the night to spend some time with friends, you know, thinks mom and dad is away. I can maybe get away with things that I don't <laughs> normally and uh, and so uh, grandma and grandpa step in and say, well, as a result, uh, you're grounded and you're going to have to give us your phone until your parents get home, um, which, you know, that's not an unreasonable response mm-hmm. in that scenario. So it, coming to their defense, mm-hmm. um, I might do something similar as a parent. But um, the son uh, texted mom and dad and said, this is what grandma and grandpa said. And, you know, they our kids are so good at pitting one one of us against the other, and they do that with parents and grandparents, too. And, of course, parents then say, well, you don't have to do that. And it creates this, um, this issue. But um, in this scenario, uh, grandparents stuck to their guns, and they, you know, they said, uh, your parents have put us in charge. We're the authority while they're gone, and this is what we have decided. And uh, they took the son's phone away and grounded him for the week 
which you can imagine mm -hmm. uh, when mom and dad got <laughs> home, that created some conflict and some tension. And, uh, and so, that you know, those grandparents felt like they kind of stepped into a landmine that they didn't expect. And, um, and so they came and just said, you know, what, what should we do or what should have we, should have we done to avoid that? You know, and I kind of think uh, an ounce of proactiveness uh, saves a whole lot of headache typically down the road. And so, mm -hmm. you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But in this instance, they just didn't have conversations about what we should do should um, our wonderful angelic children that never do anything <laughs> wrong, uh, if they, you know, if they do something that... Um, is isn't good isn't right doesn't please the lord and uh and that would have potentially saved a lot of the headache here just and so this is my encouragement in this regard is uh, have some of these conversations early on and many times uh we you know we have all of us have expectations and uh and getting those on the table are is huge in these instances so we can begin to have conversations and i think this could be um now, this could be generated by either grandparents asking some questions about what would you have us do in these situations? What kind of discipline methods do you utilize? Do you want us to implement any of them? Do you want us to wait till you get home? Um, and of course, um, for any grandparent that may be listening, you know, the parents are given the primary role with children. And so anytime a grandparent decides they're, they're going to uh, do something different than what a parent desires, you, it, we shouldn't be surprised that it leads to some conflict and some challenges with, with mom and dad. And so um, the, I think wise grandparents say, we're going to do everything we can to um, to align with what our children uh, and children-in-law are doing with our our children, of course, if that if they're doing something that breaks God's laws and is uh, obviously not good for a child physically, emotionally, we're we're talking about some different category. But if it just comes down to parenting style, parenting preference, um, then it's wise for a grandparent to do what they can, and it's wise for a, for us as adult children. I'm. Um, I'm in my mid-40s. I have five kids of my own. Um, it's wise for us to be proactive with grandparents to say, this is the boundary line. And for many of us, that's not, that's not ever been um, a communication piece. And the challenge for grandparents is often this is different from family to family and it's negotiated on different levels. And so in fairness to them, we need to set them up for success rather mm -hmm. than, um, than not. And um, you know, I, I think about boundaries and discipline is one of those for grandparents. Um, boundaries are fences and fences are good for two things. They keep out negative things, you know, think about, um, and, you know, if you've got some animals, a sh sheep, or we have chickens, if you got chickens, it keeps out predators, keeps out bad things. And it provides the right kind of space for, um, good things to happen. In fact, uh, G.K. Chesterton once had a statement that I, I like to apply to boundaries. Boundaries make it possible for good things to run wild. And that's mm. really what we want to have happen with our grand with grandparents and grandkids. We want great things to run wild. And if we kind of eliminate some of the potential barriers and problems, 
then we want, you know, we come back from being gone for a week and hopefully you get the report of, you know, this was wonderful. It was great. I love grandma and grandpa and grandma and grandpa are like, man, when can we do this again? Rather than you're met with this conflicting problem uh, because some of those issues weren't proactively dealt with and discipline's one. So, uh, you know, scripturally on the subject of discipline, I am unaware of anywhere in the Bible where grandparents are commanded to discipline a, a grandchild, uh, physically or otherwise. It just isn't in Scripture. That It obviously is for parents. Uh, there's many, many commands connected to that, especially in Proverbs, uh, but that's not there for grandparents. And so... Because of that silence, I think there is some flexibility around what that looks like in the home, um, but I don't know very many grandparents that get excited about any kind of corporal, physical discipline. Mm. Um, they're, 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 they're far and few in between. And I think, honestly, that's best left to mom and dad, um, and other kinds of um, discipline methods can be utilized for the short term. Um, but I have found the more time that a grandparent spends with grandchildren, the more important it is to have some plan around what discipline looks like for a grandchild. So if you if your children spend a day a week with your with grandparents, or if they're gonna be you're gonna be gone for an extended amount of time and they're gonna be with grandma and grandpa, even if you have a uh, you know a toddler all the way up to the teens, uh, there needs to be some plan there about what does that look like? Because it's inevitable our darling little children are going to uh, test th- those boundaries, those behavior boundaries, and do some things that inevitably it's your grandparents are going to need to respond in some way, and we need to give them the tools that they know what's in bounds and what's not. So I'd say put that on the table just for a conversation piece. Um, And if things have already happened uh, that, um, you know, it has created tension and conflict, like in this family um, that I mentioned the story, uh, this is where I think uh, we go to Matthew 18 and we have conversations, we extend grace, we confess where we are where we fall short as parents because it's never it's rarely one-sided and if honestly if we didn't clarify and communicate up front with the grandparents then I think we share part of that blame because we didn't set them up for success to begin with um, and then I think we can just uh, have an honest conversation about you know as the parents uh, it's important that you guys honor, um, what we what we set in place as parents, and the flip side's also true. You know, God calls us to honor mother, our mother and father, and that doesn't change when they become grandparents. It may look a little different, but we still want to honor our parents in the process of this these kinds of conversations. And, you know, that happens the way we talk to them, how we talk to our children about their about their grandparents. We want to talk about them in a positive light, even though there might be some challenges and um, that, you know, we don't want to create the perception with our, our children, their grandchildren, you know, put them in a negative light and we just set them up uh, for, um, for challenges in the future. Um, So how, you know, we have those conversations. Um, I look at, I look at uh, Galatians 6 and 
you know, when it, it talks about restoring someone caught in sin, and the actual picture there is a doctor resetting a bone. And, um, and you think about if you had a broken bone in your arm, how would you want a doctor to reset that bone? You, you, don't, want, you don't want someone that's harsh coming in and, you know, and you can reset that bone, but in the process, there's a lot of pain and there, it just, it's not a good experience. And essentially when we, you know, when we have these kinds of conversations with family members, we want to be that that doctor that resets the bone in a gentle, loving manner, um, not in that kind of cruel, harsh, uh, and the, the end goal is restoration. The end goal is, um, is health. And, uh, and, you know, we're on the same team together and we need to remember that going in. Um, and, and depending on where the, the relationship is obviously that will dictate what kind of conversation happens. Um, but um, but God can use these experiences, sometimes even these difficult ones, to really move uh, a relationship forward, and, and they can become the catalyst. So God uses all things for good, and and this can be part of that. Yep, that's good. So it really just all boils down to having those conversations before the conflict takes place. And then that's going to eliminate a lot of uh, unnecessary conflict when uh, the parents and the grandparents are on the same page because they've had those conversations before issues arise. Real quick, Josh, when you were saying that, it made me think about when my parents went out of town for a week one time and they left money for my grandparents because my mom said, there's nothing to eat and, you know, we're leaving you money to go to the grocery store. And my grandmother being a product of the Great Depression uh, didn't. And so we had hot dog and tater tot casserole. And yeah. that was very offensive to me and my brother. <laughs> but we were very excited when my parents came back home from that trip. Another issue where grandparents and parents tend to disagree is food. Yeah. And I can identify with this one because we are really strict with what our children are allowed to eat. But thankfully, all of our kids' grandparents are on board with us. Um, even though, you know, it took some time and it probably breaks their hearts a little bit every time they're not allowed to indulge their grandkids. But I think some of that reluctance comes from this cultural belief that grandparents are supposed to spoil their grandchildren with whatever foods they like rather than what is nutritional or what their parents prefer that they eat. And so that reminds me of a quote in your book, Biblical Grandparenting, again, I'm going to say is excellent. But you said this, grandparents who wish to spoil their grandchildren should give them an inheritance that cannot spoil a rich heritage in Christ. Mm, so I good. love that, Josh. That's so good. Uh, but some parents and grandparents do find themselves in this constant tug of war over issues like food. As a matter of fact, one of our listeners wrote in with this question, how do you deal with grandparents undermining your authority? Uh, and then she gives us some real life examples of what has happened in her family. She said, my husband or I tell our son to eat whatever food he doesn't want to try. So whatever it might be. And grandpa says in baby talk, you don't like that, do you? Is that yucky? That's yucky, isn't it? <laughs> and their son is just a year old. And she says, we know this cannot continue especially as he grows up, but we're unsure how to address it. This is an issue that we are really undone about. We love our parents, but if this continues, we will not be letting them babysit. And I'm sure that conversation would not go great. Help. And she said help in all caps. So Josh, what sort of advice would you give to the Christian parents and grandparents who might find themselves in a situation like this one that I just read? Yeah, again, it comes back to conversations and, um, you know, helping clarify what 
our food preferences are with our kids. And they are that. I mean, unless there is a legitimate food need for allergy or other kinds of health reasons. And some, some do have those. Um, but I, I, on the food topic, I think there needs to be, I would encourage on both sides, both grandparents and, um, and parents to have some flexibility here, recognizing, (laughs) um, we, you know, if there is a lot of time together, then, okay, let's get into the rhythm that we have with our home with just kind of what is normal food, um, kinds of eating, um, habits and patterns, and even the kinds of foods that are eaten, um, but I, you know, I think once in a while, it's okay to stray from some of those kinds of, um, preferences. So we, in our family, we, you know, we try to eat, um, at times not, we don't eat gluten. Um, that's preference based. It's not health. There's no health reasons. Uh, we just recognize some of the things that are being put on the grains today and the, what that leads to. But when our kids go uh, to certain places, we don't, you know, if they want to eat Doritos and uh, they want to eat all kinds of baked goods, you know, have at it. Um, And that's a blessing to grandparents if we can get to that point. Um, But I, you know, I think the conversation needs to be had with what are our food expectations? Um, Let's come to a happy medium you know, in, in fairness to grandparents, you know, my parent, my dad uh, has four kids. And if we all come with all these food, uh, you know, these long lists of food things, that just gets challenging on there and especially for family gatherings. So let's find a happy medium um, and uh, and then try to find a place that we can all, uh, all uh, land on. Um, I will say that food is the secret ingredient um, many times to a grandparent's home. I mean, just think about mm-hmm. when you were a grandkid walking into grandma's living mm-hmm. room, you're hit with like the smells, the special <laughs> things she would make, and you maybe you have memories of um, special foods that were in, in their home. And I, I certainly do. And we want that for our kids too. Um, and so if there's things we can do again to help our parents succeed with our children uh, from a baking standpoint and a food standpoint, um, let's uh, let's do that. And also, you know, let the grandparents be the grandparents too, you know. So I love the balance that you're talking about there. There are some restrictions, you know, and talk about those ahead of time. But then it's okay to have a special treat when you're at grandma's. You're at grandma's house. That's what you're supposed to do. My kids spent one night a week uh, with my parents, their grandparents, and it was just such a blessing to them. And I was not so strict. I was pretty strict about at home with what I let them eat, but it, I didn't really worry about it so much. That one night a week, and actually every well, they'd spend the night. And the next morning, before my kid, that my parents would bring them home for me to homeschool them, they always had given them peanut butter and jelly, Coke, and a Reese's cup for breakfast. And so completely unhealthy. But, you know, it was one day a week. And my my kids just love that. They have such precious memories of getting those special treats like that that they didn't get Do you, though? Do you have precious memories of them coming home, hopped up on shelves, like bouncing (laughs) off the walls? Those days were like, we we did a very light school load on those days. I was going to say, maybe there should be a boundary. Like, you can do that if it's within eight hours of me having to get my kids back. (laughs) Or or you school (laughs) them today. You do school with them that day. Exactly. Yeah, I did. You know, I did have a grandparent that came to me and uh, held out, he held out his phone and showed me a picture um, and, you know, it was a picture of his vegetable drawer in his refrigerator. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to see a picture of his vegetables. And, And it was literally 
his refrigerator vegetable drawer was half filled with king-sized candy bars. And he oh, said, wow. my, my grandkids love to eat vegetables and I love to eat them. <laughs> but that's like on the extreme end. Right. Of, you know, if that was my kids walking into that setting, I would say, okay, is it okay that they have candy? Sure. But there needs to be limits to what that looks mm. like in moderation. And so that's, that's my, you know, that's my encouragement. What are the limits? Can, and as parents, can we still allow it to be special for our kids? You know, we want them to look forward to being at grandma's and grandpa's and food's a part of that. So mm-hmm. let's not make it so, um, you know, if you think about the, the fence analogy, Let's not make the fence so small and so tight that it's just a straitjacket for grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. Give them some space and let them, you know, put the boundaries that are needed, but let them have some fun in that too. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Balance. I like yep. that, Josh. Well, we've dedicated a good bit of airtime on this show to talking about the effects of technology in our children, and you've already touched on that. But let's talk about entertainment. So movies, video games, internet, phones. What sort of boundaries can be set to keep entertainment from becoming a point of contention between parents and grandparents. I mean, you've talked about it from the perspective of grandparents taking it away, but I think a lot of times they can be more tolerant in allowing these things than the parents could be. So what is your advice to parents for that? This one landed on me for the first time when our kids, our two oldest, which are, they're now teens, but they were preschoolers at the time. They used to spend a couple nights uh, and evenings a week at their grandparents' house. And they came home and said they had watched some Star Wars movies. And I was like, (laughs) oh man, I'm, I'm so disappointed by that because that was something I envisioned as a dad doing with my sons. Mm. Um, and so I realized in that, so I followed up with grandparents just to say, hey, they mentioned this. Did you guys watch something? And um, and they said to me, you know, we didn't, Josh. We They just saw a commercial for Star Wars, which is a good reminder <laughs> not to come to conclusions. Um, but also, it, 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 uh, this point jumped out at me at that moment, I realized, you know what? I have not clarified anything related to media with grandma and mm. grandpa about what what we would prefer as parents. And so we had that conversation then. Um, and for uh, from our side, you know, we were we were young parents. Our oldest was at the time. I don't know. It was four or five. And so you, you're first when they're younger, you're, you're uh, really conservative and limiting, you know, and so we ended up giving them basically a really short list of, we approve of this, 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 and this, and that's kind of the list we are comfortable with. Um, now that our kids are teens, um, our list is a whole lot different and it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more, uh, you know, it's quite long now and big and, um, we're not scared of some of the stuff that we were back then. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, you know, I think though what we found for grandma and grandpa, so we, we limit at home pretty considerably as far as screen usage. Um, so we've talked about what we would prefer from a, an amount of time that they're on screens um, from, they don't really have their own uh, iPhones or phones yet. So they, it's just what grandma and grandpa have. We, we've talked about not wanting them to be babysat by screens and wanting to go over to grandma and grandpa and actually spend time mm-hmm. with them. Um, so if your kids are fairly active on screens at your house and grandma and grandpa are a little um, less of 
a screen use home, you might have to have the other conversation about uh, grandma at grandma and grandpa's. We just spend a lot more time doing other things uh, with children and with grandma and grandpa. Um, I would have conversations if your kids do have phones or iPods about where they can be used in the home. Uh, do they are they allowed at grandma and grandpa's in the bedroom? Are they only to be used on the main floor? Do they get turned in at night? Um, all those kinds of things that are probably autopilot for your home that are not for grandma and grandpa need to be um, need to be need to have conversation points. We have uh, filters on our internet at our home uh, to keep out porn and other things um, and limit um, really what can be viewed um, from an internet side. That may not have that may not be the case at grandma and grandpa's where it could be wide open your internet. So have conversations with grandma and grandpa about. Uh, about that piece because you don't want them to go over to grandma and grandpa's either and realize, you know, you're essentially giving them the gift of pornography simply by giving them access to the internet. It's not a gift, obviously. Um, that's a tongue-in-cheek um, right, statement. Yeah. But um, but just thinking through those kinds of things um, and, uh, you know, there's so much garbage on um, on screens today that I think it is wise to have some conversations with grandma and grandpa because um, what I find from uh, from grandparents today is many of them just um, you know it, it's been a while since they've been parents and so um, helping them understand the reality of where things are at in the world today with what kids are what they could view and see is a helpful conversation just so that they're caught up and realize, okay, um, I mean, even PBS, it's like you can't even watch some cartoons anymore yeah. on PBS. It's just disappointing because of mm -hmm. some of the some of the things that are, are embedded in there. And of course, you'd think, what in the world? Like these shows we all loved as kids, you know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're being warped by the uh, secular views of our day, and um, and grandparents may not be aware of that, and we just want to you know catch them up to speed on that. Right. So yes, have those conversations. Uh, put some put some uh, limitations in place with that with media. Give them some uh, some opportunities to um, to have some um, screen usage because that's a fun piece too for grandparents, and um, and and let them roll. But but I think if you guys have in mind. Um, Talk through discipline, food, and um, and then media. You're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna avoid a whole lot of headaches uh, and head them off. Right. So it just boils down to thinking through these issues and sitting down and having those conversations ahead of time. Josh, this is just great information for establishing boundaries. And I know that there are so many grandparents who are listening right now, and they're they're very thankful to hear this counsel from you and this advice and just all of these. Uh, great insights. But I'm thinking about all the parents who are out there listening right now, and these issues have already caused tension with the grandparents. How would you recommend that parents approach these issues with grandparents with grace and in a way that the grandparents won't take offense? One of the principles we've used with our home is blood speaks with blood. Uh, and that's been a good principle. Mm, good. So by that, I mean, um, if it's my parents that I will lead that conversation with them. If it's Jen's family, that she leads that conversation. And I, you know, I, I kind of am support just because of the, 
the relationship tends to be better um, just from blood to blood. So that's a good principle. Um, the Matthew 18 that I mentioned, we need to follow God's um, principles when there is conflict in place. And this is simply, if the conversation's happening with um, grandparents and parents and they're, you know, you're, there's, there's an impasse and you just, you know, you've tried to follow what the Bible says and you, we just aren't getting anywhere. I think one of the next steps is potentially contact your church, meet with the pastor. Um, I've done quite a bit of counseling with uh, parents and grandparents. You know, four, having four in a room um, is a little more challenging than, um, than uh, you know, a husband and wife. Um, but a pastor that uh, applies biblical counseling in those situations, sometimes having that other perspective is helpful. And, uh, and I, we've seen it bring some healing and restoration. Hopefully that, you know, you don't need to get to that path to that point. But, um, but if needed, I think it's a good um, kind of next step. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of Josh. Now, Josh, you are the first male guest we've had on the show. And for our listeners out there who are men, I can imagine they're pretty tired of hearing all of our super girly tips, like how to use Vaseline on your feet to keep them super soft. <laughs> that, was, that was Ginger's quick tip. She is never going to let it go. let her let Never. <laughs> so can you give us something a little more masculine than yeah. Vaseline? Yes. Well, one of the things that's been real fun with with my sons has been establishing a tradition that we call the father-son campout. And we do this every uh, Memorial Day weekend, Friday night and Saturday morning. And we invite over, they each get to invite over some fathers and sons that they're friends with. And we literally pitch tents in our backyard and we do full-on manhood stuff. (laughs) I love that. We talk about, you know, what does it mean to be, to grow into a biblical man? Um, we do that a little bit around the bonfire. It's not super extensive, but um, we do that. And some of the other dads talk about, share their kind of thoughts, which is good for our sons to hear from other dads. And then we just, man, we do all kinds of fun man stuff. We, we throw knives at wood. We have bonfires. <laughs> we cook over it. Uh, we, uh, and the, on Saturday... Uh, we do kind of sports stuff in the yard, but on Saturday, we always end with a massive Nerf gunfight running around the yard. And uh, we <laughs> did that for that. the first time about 10 years ago. And I thought in my head, this will just kind of be a one-year deal. Um, and my kids ask for it every year now. So we're going on about year 10. And it's just been a sweet way to build into my sons from a manhood perspective on what that looks like and father-son camp out so memorial day is coming up here to was it five months out so if you want to have some fun something fun uh you could do something like that in your backyard how fun such a great idea and see what i love about that is we don't do sleepovers with our kiddos we just that's sort of a hard line we drew but this is a really great way Mm -hmm. that you they can bring their friends and their friends dads what a really neat Mm -hmm. idea my husband yeah we're gonna get him on board with that but josh i suggest that you um, have a spa aspect of that uh, retreat in your backyard and you guys can just do pedicures and Vaseline on your feet and just make it a full thing, you know? Yes, yes. That, uh, yes. I, I think that would go over real good. <laughs> yeah, I think it would. Well, you know what, though? Okay, so 
we um, have had difficulty starting campfires in the past, and Vaseline on cotton balls is actually a really, really oh, good way to get you a campfire going. You have so much about all these things you can do with Vaseline for me. So you I found every thankful. use for Vaseline. Instead of ragging me all I'm, the time. <laughs> I'm going to have to do uh, to, to get some Vaseline, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, my husband, he was a pilot in the Air Force, and they actually had them travel around with Vaseline on a cotton ball in case they ever had to eject from the aircraft oh, and start a fire. Interesting. interesting. See, look at that. There you go. I'll, yeah, I'll, see? I'll use that. There you go. Okay. Well, listeners, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubber.com slash quick tips to submit those. This has been such a wonderful conversation, and I know it's going to help so many parents and grandparents navigate through some conversations that will lead to unity in their relationships. Josh, how can our listeners find out more about you and your ministry? Uh, you could go to renewanation.org, all one word, uh, and you could find all the fun stuff there. That's great, Josh. And we will have Heather put a link in our show notes to your resources, your websites, and all of that. How about you leave us with a final word of encouragement? Yeah, I, you know, with the subject of boundaries with grandparents, um, I think the goal is to learn preferences, to share expectations, and then, of course, avoid landmines uh, and help grandparents in the process have really positive and successful times together with grandchildren that they all say it was wonderful and we want to come back for more. And so having these conversations early and often will hopefully get us towards that, that goal. Thank you so much, Josh and Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, would you leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. If you have a parenting question, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our very best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or as a digital download, and her best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, as well as the companion study guide that can be used for the audio series or the book at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And speaking of encouragement, Ginger is now offering live stream presentations for MOPS, which is Mothers of Preschoolers and other moms groups. For more information, have your group coordinator fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children with the glory of God.